Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. So this morning, I'd love to invite my beautiful wife up. And um, this morning is going to be a little bit different. Um, just being December and... Uh, and almost close to Christmas, and preached many, many preachers this week, we thought we'd take a moment just to do something different at the end of this faith series. Um, I just want to welcome, I saw Paul and Laura Court and Anthony Graham Jolly, my mates. Oh, there we go. Joelle on the floor, and Laura on the floor. Wonderful to have just mates from Glenridge back in the day, and Paul and Laura down in Cape Town now as well. So really wonderful to have you guys with us this morning. But we thought we'd do something different this morning. Is that okay? And I'll, I'll tell you why. Um, I think I was reading Hebrews the other day, and I was caught by this scripture, is um, remember your leaders, Hebrews 13 verse 7, who spoke the word of God to you, consider the outcome of their way of life, and imitate their faith, because Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever. The message says, appreciate your pastoral leaders who give you the word of God, take a good look at the way they live, and let their faithfulness instruct you as well as their truthfulness. There should be a consistency that runs through us all. For Jesus doesn't change yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He's always totally himself. I think one of the challenges in the church is, a, is doing life remotely. Is we, we kick into gear and the church becomes a preaching center. And as much as I've said it time and time again, and I think people think it's a bit of a cliche, is we're not trying to build a preaching center. Yeah. And what I mean by a preaching center, and I'm not trying to, say anything about any other church. I'm just telling you for us, a preaching center to me would be a place where people come, they get topped up by the pastor's hours and hours or the preacher's hours and hours of prep during the week and they feel blessed and they feel amazed. We walk out and and nothing's really changed, but we're inspired, we're encouraged because one guy did a whole bunch of work and we're saying we don't want to build that. We want to build a house, a house that is a home where the presence of God is there, where it's real where it's honest, where it's vulnerable, where people are real, where their life and their stories are available. You've heard me say it, my challenge with, with uh, the, the camp, what, what are the online church is um, in America, the big craze now is, is you're part of a church, you just joined it online, you give online, you contact the pastors online. The challenge is you can never do this. Mm. You can never consider the outcome of their way of life because you can never get to know them, because they live thousands and thousands of miles away. And the privilege of our context right now is we want to create opportunities, and I'm very aware in a church of a couple hundred that, that possibly some of us don't get dinners together, don't get moments together. Here's the challenge. There was a, 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 ch- a church leader of a church with literally thousands and thousands of people, and he was unbelievable in the pulpit, and people found grace in his story in the pulpit, But one day his wife pitched up with bags. Some of you have heard me tell this story. She pitched up with bags. She walked down the aisle while he was preaching, put her bags at the front of the pulpit and said, I want to live with this guy, not the guy who's at home. And it's a challenge because actually the pulpit you can can perform. But we we don't want to do that. 
trust me, we will put the hours into prep. And Gabe and Wally and, and the others who get the privilege of ministering and preaching and are called to preach and teach in this context, we'll put the hours. But we want to do life in a real way. Uh, I would love you to be able to, and the, and the relationships, you know what the real relationship looks like for me? So when someone comes to me and says, you know what, your wife's looking tired, what are you going to do about it? Can I be honest? So that's when I know someone loves me. So when they love my wife enough to challenge me on my husbanding, when, when your kids, maybe you've just lost energy to, to walk with your kids, to lead them, to guide them, to discipline them. And a brother, a friend who you know loves you comes to you and speaks into your life and says, you know what? And I'm talking, yes, speak to the pastor. Oh, pastor, you're supposed to have it all together. If only you knew. If only you knew. We go on holiday. I get grumpy after four hours on the beach with three kids trying to keep them alive. But that's just real life. Yeah, it's good. That's just reality. Are you crazy taking three kids to the beach on your own? Yes. Yes. <laughs> crazy. But we get to do these things. And so we wanted to create a moment. And Kansas is going to do most of the talking because she's going to share some of her story. But I wanted to create a moment where actually you could have the opportunity to consider the outcome of their lives. Just knowing a little bit more is that we have the amazing privilege of leading the team that have the privilege of leading in this community and this church called Life Changes Church. And we want to make sure that the gap's a little bit smaller, that lives are a little bit more accessible. Does that make sense? So it's not a preach this morning, it's live shared, it's honest. My wife's going to do most of the speaking, so it'll be very honest and very vulnerable. And before Ken shares, I just want to take a moment. My mother-in-law, Penny Enslin, is here, and I'm here for Christmas, here to help with the three kids, <laughs> and it really is wonderful to have you with us again this morning, Penny. So this is my amazing, amazing wife. Can I just say that scripture in Hebrews 13, verse 7, I find very challenging. I, I remember the first time I preached... I was working at Unilever. I spent my days selling ice creams, trying to get kids hooked to sugar, pretty much. That was the objective of my job. And the first time I got to preach, I was so fearful. Like, what if someone saw me in the traffic the other day? What if a word slipped out? You know, one of those words that you don't want to slip out during a preach, that people think the preacher would never, ever say. What if those things slipped out? And, and there's got to be a settling that there's, this is real. I love the, the message where it says actually that there should be a consistency that runs through us all. You know why? Because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And because Jesus is the same yesterday and today and tomorrow, who we are at home, who we are in the marketplace, who we are in the pulpits of our lives, because we all have a pulpit. The only pulpit is not the church. There are pulpits in the marketplace. There's pulpits on the sports field. There's pulpits everywhere. And you occupy those pulpits. We have many pulpits, and we have an opportunity to make sure that those lives, there's consistency. So that's why we're going to create that moment. Is that all right? So is your mic on, beautiful? I think so. Is it on? There, yeah. it's on. And um, if I can just share one or two things about this amazing lady. She is amazing. She is courageous. She is very, very vulnerable. Um, she is honest. Um, in a very gentle way, her friends would attest to the fact that she's incredibly strong. And um, I would share the same things this morning. But, but we want to share some of our story, not because we feel like we're any more important in this community than anyone else. But actually, this scripture says that you need an opportunity to consider the people you get to follow. And, um, and I don't think those opportunities are readily available. So this is Candice Van Pletsen. And um, love her lots. Why don't you just share some 
maybe even some of your story. Okay. And just so people have access. I know the ladies might know a little bit, but yeah. is that good? Yeah. Uh, good morning, everyone. Hello. And uh, it's just wonderful to be able to share some of our story and just share a little bit of what God's done. I just really do count it a huge privilege, so thank you. Um, just to give you a brief background, uh, just quickly, I grew up in Joburg, um, did all my schooling and studies there as a graphic designer, 3D animator. I then moved um, out of home when I was 21, um, moved to Durban because I got offered a, a graphic design position, 3D animation position at a, a company called Derivka. Um, I worked there uh, for about uh, eight years. Um, and after about a year of being in Durban, I actually, I gave my life to the Lord, but I'll share more of that journey and that story. And um, yeah, gave my life to the Lord while being in Durban, started, uh, joined uh, Glenridge Church. Um, and uh, just to give you a little bit more background and context, growing up, um, my mom was a believer. My mom's a believer, um, so she'd encourage us to go to church and all of that. My dad, not a believer. Um, and yeah, so my, my parents got divorced uh, probably when I was going into standard six, somewhere around there, uh, grade seven, what do, you, what do you call it, grade eight, and um, yeah, so I think I, my dad's always been a little bit distant, so I never really had that sort of close relationship with my dad. I know that he loves me, I don't doubt that, but he just wasn't very affectionate and involved and all of that, so I think I grew up quite an insecure little girl. I think I was very shy, very insecure. I just remember my school days were very like, I had one friend at school. I wouldn't say boo to a ghost. I wouldn't say, you know, I'd never put up my hand to answer anything. I remember clearly standing up um, doing orals where you have to give a speech in front of the class and I would just freeze and the whole class would laugh at me, that sort of thing, you know, just to give you a bit of background of what God's done. And I was just, a, I was highly insecure. Just, I didn't understand my value and, um, and who I was in God. You know, I didn't know the Lord. Um, but just briefly, uh, my grandfather was a Christian and he always used to tell me about Jesus. And I remember the one day he led me to a, oh wait, I'm going, I'm going further to the next question. Sorry. <laughs> oh gosh. Okay. Is that fun? Shall I carry on? Sorry, <laughs> I have to read For my some notes, reason, otherwise I'm I get nervous. very lost. <laughs> I'm more nervous than when I normally preach. I'm like more nervous. Do you want me to carry, carry on? Carry on, yeah. Okay. So I'm going to just share the, the journey of how God found me and how I got to know the Lord. My grandfather was a Christian. I remember him one day just sharing the scripture with me and how we need to believe and in Jesus in order to go to heaven. And he showed me the scriptures, and I remember... I don't know if you remember, Mom, I came home in tears. I was absolutely petrified of going to hell. I wanted to go to heaven, and I wanted to accept this Jesus. And um, I remember coming home in tears, asking my mom to pray with me. We said a salvation prayer. I had a Gideon Bible that someone gave to me in high school. We knelt together in our room, and we said a salvation prayer. And that, that, that day, I actually I accepted Jesus into my heart, you know. I believe that's, that was that was a part of the beginning of the story of how I got to know God. But after that, I didn't um, go to church. I didn't get involved. I didn't have anyone to kind of disciple me. I, so I didn't really, I was saved, but I didn't know who this God was. So I just carried on as normal. I'm just, I'm just going to carry on. Um, <laughs> sorry, I've skipped like a whole lot of stuff. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, and then... Just um, maybe for a second, just I think... In everyone's story, we've all got a story here, and it says, consider your leader's way of life, but actually, every leader's got a grandparent, or a parent, or a friend who prayed for them. 
who reached out to them, who shared scriptures with them. And um, we see the end product. We see the Billy Grahams. We think, wow. I think, wow, about the person who shared the gospel with Billy Graham for the first time. I think, wow, about the mother who prayed. I'm the product of a, of a, of a mother who prayed, who got up at half past five every morning to pray for her family. And um, the world might never know as a big successful business person or anything, I know as a hero. And uh, when Ken speaks about her granddad, I, I think that man's a hero. So um, I think that's incredible to see the story. Yeah. But yeah, tell us, yeah. I mean, part of, um, part of, and we, we just want to jump in. We're not going to speak up for too long. One of Candace's journeys has been a journey with anxiety and fear. And, um, and, and her friends would know that. Um, I, I want to tell you the girl I met in February 2000 on the beach at Addington Beach. I'd just come back from England. But the girl I met had, her hair was growing out from being almost shaved because she was a raver. In, the, in 3.30 and the hardest nightclubs of Durban, um, she uh, was an insecure young girl who would go raving because her confidence was years and years of dancing, so she was good at dancing. She'd go out dancing. And I met this girl, and I watched as the father revealed himself to her. And I remember taking Candy back every six months or so after Joby to go see her family. And people would say, what's happened here? What's changed? As the confidence came and the courage came and, and some of these things left, but a real battle has been anxiety and fear. And maybe, why don't you share some of that um, with the guys this mm, morning? Okay. Um, yeah, so as Mark said, I, I, yeah, I do, uh, shall I finish my story of how I found the Lord and then, <laughs> and then carry on with that? Sorry, I get very like, oh my gosh, I'm getting get confused here. Okay. Um, yeah, I think when, when I gave my life to the Lord, I, I joined Glenridge Church, and Rory Dyer was leading the church, and he always had this thing where he really shared the Father's heart, and he really um, spoke on who the Father was and his love for us, and I think I really found who I was in the Father's eyes in that church, in that community, and I could encourage all of us here just to get stuck and in, get involved. Um, don't stay on the outskirts, because you're going to, this is part of um, God growing you and maturing you and taking you on, you know. So for me, Glenridge, I just really found who I was in Christ. I found my identity in him. Um, God really just healed a lot of brokenness and heartache and just made me strong in who I was in him. I, I, I gained courage and confidence just because of what he'd done for me and, and who I was in him. Ken's uh, used to pitch up, she's that girl at church. I don't know if you know that girl, but they've just had a radical encounter with Jesus, and they are so buzzed to go to church. It's like, who is this little holy roller running around early for every prayer meeting, every church meeting? But it was amazing just to see the life of God break in yeah. and, and, and do that in community. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> can I just carry on with the story? Because I think I'm getting lost. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, gosh. I'm like in the box. I can't go out of the box. Let me just finish that, and then we'll... Is that okay? Good point. Good <laughs> I'm sorry, because I'm getting all confused. <laughs> this never happens at home, just want to say. <laughs> You're confusing me. Okay. So, let me carry on with the story. I moved to Durban when I was 21 for this job offer. I, um, you know, I wasn't saved then. Uh, I had made a commitment when I was a little girl, but um, I wasn't really walking with the Lord. At that time, I was dabbling in drugs. I was going, I was full on into the rave scene and partying, and I was not interested in God. I thought God was boring and uninteresting, and I didn't want him to ruin my fun. So I had um, a Christian girl 
this is the right, okay. I had a young uh, <laughs> friend of mine that used to sit next to me um, in the office, and she was a strong believer. And she always used to tell me about Glenridge Church, this cool surfer church where they all wear baggies and slops, and they, it's so cool and wild and radical, and come, you know, come to church, come to life group. And I came up with every excuse not to go. I was not interested I was coming, yeah, coming up with all sorts of excuses, but she kept inviting me, and I praise God for that girl, honestly. She just very boldly and courageously kept saying, come, come, come. Um, and just to give you a little bit more background, I was battling a lot with my health at that stage. I actually, throughout growing up in different stages of my life, I battled a bit with sickness and weird sort of symptoms and went to doctors, went for tests. Doctors could never pinpoint what the thing, what the cause was. They always said, no, it's stress, it's stress. And I think it was that anxiety thing, that, that spirit of anxiety and fear that just came out in these physical sort of symptoms. I would struggle with intense headaches and dizziness and chest pains and panic attacks and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, and this girl would hear me on the phone to doctors every day. She sat right next to me and she just said to me, you know what, Cans? Come, come to my house and I'm going to get a couple of friends together and we're going to pray for you and God's going to heal you. And... Um, I just laughed at her. I just mockingly just said, oh, please, man, God's not going to heal me. Don't be ridiculous. Uh, but deep down, I actually, I, I really, really wanted to believe that. I, I think I was so desperate. I was so tired of going to these doctors and struggling with these issues. And I just thought, okay, I'm going to give it a bash. <laughs> Let's try this thing. And um, so unaware that, that that night that I went to a house that God was going to completely turn my life around, uh, I went to a house and she had a couple of friends praying around me in this strange language called tongues. I don't know what was going on. I thought this was like a bit crazy. But then I just started opening my heart, and it was like a supernatural, I don't know, I really felt the manifest presence in that room. I felt the heavy weight of God, and I think it was the first time I really heard his voice. And uh, I was shaking uncontrollably and crying, and I just felt the love of the Father. And I felt God almost audibly just say to me, my girl, will you lay down your life for me and will you completely just wholeheartedly follow me and lay down everything? And uh, I did. I gave my heart to him that night. Um, I just, I think that was where I actually had accepted him not only as savior, but as Lord in my life. Because a lot of us, we're saved. We know we're going to heaven. We got our ticket. Um, but actually he wants to be Lord in our lives where actually we lay down everything for him and he rules over everything. He rules over what we do and what we think and what our attitudes and everything in our life needs to come under his rulership. So for me, that was a, a, my life from that point just did a complete 180 degree turn, you know. I think he really strengthened me and I had an, an overwhelming sense of peace and joy and like a lightness to my step, this heaviness kind of just lifted off of me, which I didn't even know I was carrying. But um, I think I was filled with the Holy Spirit for about three months, like a wild, I don't know what, I don't know what you thought of me. But I just felt the presence of God so thick and tangible. It was unbelievable. And um, where am I? Yeah, so I just, from that point, my, my life just did a complete change. He gave me the strength and the grace to really just get out of an unhealthy relationship that I was in. Um, and he gave me the strength and the grace to just stop all the partying and the drugs. I didn't miss it for one second. It was, it was just like a, I think for some of us, it's a different story. Sometimes it's a process, and for others, it's just like a God moment, and it just happens. God can do both, and there's, it's not right or wrong either way. But um, that's, that was my story. Um, 
Yeah. I think one of, oh. one of the things um, that I admired with Ken's with anxiety in that is her ability to go to the Word. Mm. I think um, I see people running many places, um, run for prayer, run to the prophet, run to someone who can take us off. But the one thing that was incredibly encouraging and challenging to me was Ken's ran to the Word. And I saw her putting scriptures up around her bedroom, um, even before we were married, when we were dating and God was dealing with some of the things, allowing the Word of God to just get so deep inside of her. Maybe just some of those scriptures um, that I know were big for you. Yeah, so so my greatest battle has been just this thing of fear and anxiety. And I know a lot of us do battle with that, but, and I've had incredible breakthrough, like God has really helped me. Um, I don't, I'm by no means a finished product. I think there are times where I battle a little bit and I've just got to go back to his word and back to his promises. None of us are, are finished products. I think we all work some pro, pro, progress um, and he takes us from glory to glory, but I have had incredible freedom in this area and I'd love to share a little bit of that story with you guys. Um, I think it reared its head in many different ways and I can name some of the things like fear of rejection, fear of man's opinion, fear of um, failure, fear of not being a good enough mom, not being a good enough wife, not being a good enough pastor's wife or whatever, fear of even the call over our lives. I had to really battle that thing when God called us to come to Cape Town and lead church and (laughs) be a pastor's wife. I mean, God had to really, I had to fight that thing, you know, and and hold on to him and uh, just access faith for that. Um, I think you don't mind me reading a little bit, but I think the root of anxiety and fear comes, really comes from a place of not believing him, uh, if we have to ask ourselves honestly and not trusting him. Um, and it always kind of starts in our thoughts. For me, it starts in my mind and my, my mind and my thoughts, and it leads to negative thinking. I've had to learn, and I'm still learning, that I need God to help me transform my thinking patterns. And Romans 12 verse 2 has always been a scripture that's helped me. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We can, you know, and we can only renew our minds if we really know and believe his word and his promises over us and who we are in him and who he is. That's the only way we can. And um, 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5 was another scripture that helped me. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. So we can only make these lies and these negative thinking and obedient to Jesus if we actually believe that he rules and if we actually believe that what he says is true. Um, And once again, it's just being in his word. It's knowing his promises. It's meditating um, over his promises and and believing that what he says is true. Um, So just we can choose to believe God or we can choose to believe the enemy or our flesh and our fleshy thoughts or ways. It's, you can't do both. If, you believe, if, you, if you're not believing God, then you're automatically actually, I think, you're believing the enemy because he comes at us with a thousand thoughts a day. You know, um, In Romans 14, I'd love to share the scripture. It's quite a hectic scripture, but it really um, is amazing. Romans 14, 23, it says, whatever is not from faith is sin. And so whatever we do, whatever we even think, whatever we feel, if it's not from a place of faith and not from a place of believing God and trusting him, then God actually calls that sin. And I just think, oh Lord, that's so hectic. It's scary that unbelief actually is sin. And that, so faith is the opposite of that. It's, it's believing God. It's believing in who he is and what he's promised us. 
How many times have I not believed him, you know? How many times, uh, for all of us, including me, it, it starts with that, you know, believing him. It starts in our minds, our thoughts. I love what John Piper says. He says, sin is what you feel and think and do when you're not taking God at his word and resting in his promises. Sin is what you feel and think and do when you are not taking God at his word and resting in his promises. It's not just, sin is not just what we do. It's our thoughts, it's our attitudes, it's our emotions. We have to rest. I love that, resting in his promises. Just believing is actually, and having faith is actually just resting in God and knowing that he's true. And um, he says, have those attitudes and do those acts which grow out of faith that come from confidence in God's promises and his word. So yeah, I, I just, I love the word of God and I, I hope that I can actually encourage all of us here just to get stuck in, you know. Um, I love Psalm 42 verse five where David preaches to his own soul. He says, why are you cast down on my soul and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my, God, and my God. I just think this is so important in the fight of faith. It's actually learning, it sounds a bit strange, but preach to yourself. You know, are we, are we listening more to ourselves or are we talking and preaching to ourselves, you know? Because um, you wake up in the morning and the first thoughts could be the enemy, it could be your own fleshy thoughts or whatever, but actually we need to learn to preach the gospel. We need to learn to preach his promises and declare his promises over ourselves. Um, yeah. Just uh, if you are wanting those scriptures, Romans 12, verse 2, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5, Romans 14, verse 23, and Psalm 22, verse 5. Especially that Psalm 22, verse 5. As David, the, the, the heart of the God's own heart, the, the writer of the Psalms, ministers to his own soul. It's an incredible ability to be able to do that. The man who led worship this morning got mugged on Friday afternoon on the way home. Now, I don't know about you, but I love seeing men and women overcome, rise above, stepping into, um, and Jono, just to honor you, bro, people don't know that. He's got bruises all down his midriff because he got clapped a few oh. times. But they have the ability to say, I'm going to rise up and I'm going to worship the king who's seated on his throne because no mugger is going to steal and get Jesus off his throne. I think reveals and is the greatest sign and wonder pointing to the king of kings. And I absolutely love that. I think I honor that. And that's why we're in the middle of a series called Are You Crazy? That's why we're talking. These are, I think, most of the miracles, most of the wonders, people sit back and go, that's amazing. Our lives of sons and daughters who choose to live their lives as sons and daughters and not servants, and not slaves, and not survivors. We are sons and daughters of the living God. And I think one of the greatest stories, and, and, and as a husband, as a friend, as it was watching Candace walk through quite a difficult time, we joined leadership um, at, Life, at, at Glenridge, we'd left our jobs, we'd made all these big decisions, crazy decisions, to, to follow Jesus, and then we encountered a hurdle that we didn't think we'd encounter, which was called falling pregnant and struggling to do that. And, and one of the greatest stories and testimonies of unbelievable faith was seeing Can's consistency through that journey. And um, maybe just share some of that journey because I think that's real. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, we uh, battled to fall pregnant for just over two years. Um, and the doctor's, just, the doctor's report was that I battled with my progesterone was too low. I wasn't ovulating, so I wasn't going to fall pregnant, just to give you the details. But he just said that, actually, I remember crying in his office and <laughs> giving me tissues. And he just said that you, you're not going to fall pregnant uh, without medication and without help. 
And uh, I was just, just heartbroken. I just remember leaving that doctor's room like, Lord, what is going on here? And um, yeah, so he, we tried the, me the Clomid medication, uh, which would up our progesterone, my progesterone, and um, we upped it for over three months, just upping the, the dosage, and we just saw no sort of um, change, any positive results. And you know, at some point, Mark and I just decided, actually, you know what? We just, this is our story, it's not for everybody, but we just felt like, actually, let's trust God in this. Let's not take the medication. We're holding on to some prophetic words that God's given us about our children and, and just holding on to who he is and what he's got for us. Let's just trust God. So it's almost like God gave us the strength and the faith to just trust him. And that's, we had peace about that. We decided to do that. And um, it was difficult. I, I mean, it wasn't all easy sailing. I remember ladies around me falling pregnant left, right, and center very easily. Um, uh, I remember even praying for a couple that had been battling for years and years to fall pregnant. And then they fell pregnant and breakthrough. And I just thought, Lord, where's our breakthrough? And um, yeah, uh, I remember also going to a prayer meeting where Ryan Matthews uh, was leading the prayer meeting. And he had a word of knowledge uh, for a lady who was battling with specific sy symptoms, which I was battling with. And I remember that night just taking it by faith. I just thought, Lord, I'm taking that. That's for me. Um, it could have been for a couple of ladies there. I didn't care. I was just like, Lord, that's mine. I'm taking that. I believe, I really believe you've got this for me. I remember just feeling his presence and just crying. I remember being on my knees before him and just crying out to him for healing. Um, Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. We can be sure what we hope for and yeah. we can be certain of what we do not see only because we fully trust in a faithful God. We have to look beyond ourselves. It looks out of ourselves to a faithful God. That's who we look to. We don't look within ourselves. It, faith isn't seeing the tangible, but it's being fully persuaded that we will see it. We will see it. And uh, there's a good old saying that says, seeing is believing, but that that's actually not true when it comes to faith. Um, faith is believing even when we don't see. That's the journey. That's the, the process. It's like wait, I love somebody once shared uh, an example. It's like waiting for the sun to rise the next day. You don't see it yet, but you know without a doubt that it's coming. Um, that's almost like a, a picture of what faith could be. Then um, about two years after that, uh, at a student camp we, um, that we were leading uh, the one year, uh, Gabe, we, there was a whole night on talking on healing and God's presence was there and people were crying and people were being ministered to and I just, again, just felt the presence of God. I literally came to the front. We were leading this thing, but I just came <laughs> to the front. I felt God was going to heal me. I really did. I felt like this was part of you know, what he had for us. And I, it almost felt like I was clutching onto Jesus' feet. I just I felt so close to him. Uh, and um, Gabe, actually, who we didn't know at the time, Gabe, who's on eldership with us, a funny little skinny redhead, <laughs> came, and um, he didn't know wh what we were battling with, he, but he came to Mark, no one knew, but he came to Mark, and he said, I've got a word for your wife, for her womb, and Mark was like, jeez, go for it, pray, and uh, <laughs> so I was lying on the floor crying, and he just had this word for me, and he just said, Candice, I just feel like God is removing the tombstone from your womb, and he's calling forth life, like he did with Lazarus. I don't know if we all know the story, but he, Lazarus had died, and he, um, they, uh, he said, remove the tombstone, and he said, come out, and after being dead for three days or something, and he came out, and there was life, and so he had this picture for my womb, 
And I just, again, I was so strengthened in faith. And I just, yes, Lord, you've got this. I know without a doubt you've got this for us. And it was about two weeks after that, we fell pregnant with our beautiful little boy, Judah. And yeah, we didn't have any problems with the other two. They were full pregnant, easy. (laughs) So thank you, Jesus, yeah, for three beautiful, beautiful little boys. Um, I just want to say it's a different journey for all of us, you know. For some of us, we're trusting God for financial breakthrough. For some of us, we're trusting God for healing, physical, emotional healing, or restoration in relationship. Whatever it is, just trust him. Don't lose hope. Wait on him. Hold on to his word. Yeah. I think um, one of the, if I could commend this lady for the most amazing thing, one of them was just no one knew. You know, I think often... The minute we hit a trial, we, we think if we tell everyone, we can somehow journey it with everyone. But our journey is not with everyone. Our journey is with Jesus. Mm. And I watched Cairns within a community of 2,500 people. Literally only the elders knew. Gabe, no, no one knew. So you'd pray for people and you'd pray for things. And I'd watch Cairns pray with faith in the area that she was fighting a battle. And yet, hold on to Jesus. Take the, the moments to Jesus. And I just want to encourage you. That it's not that prayers aren't powerful. It's not that we don't journey with others. But sometimes the greatest journey has to be a journey of knowing Jesus, trusting him, and choosing him. Above the circumstances, above what doctors say, above the realities. And I think one of the things is, is after, and, and, and it sounds like we're, we're telling the low lights real. So it's more dramatic. You know, we go, and we watch the, I'm trying to teach Judah that when we watch the highlights channel of sports, sports not that exciting. Cricket's not as exciting as it is on the highlights because he thinks cricket's amazing because there's a wicket every ball and the game's about 20 minutes long. Um, so he thinks it's amazing. But in, when telling faith stories, most of our true faith is revealed in the low moments. That's when the challenge, that's when the believing God kicks into gear. And I think one of the lowest moments I watched Cairns walk through is we had this big victory. We fell pregnant. We had the promise the little child, I'd go through and watch him sleep. And then I'd go back to our room and lie next to a woman who couldn't sleep. And at about five in the afternoon, she'd start getting a little bit anxious because sleep time was coming and insomnia had kicked in. And I'd wake up at two o'clock in the morning or sometimes I'd be kicked because, and then asked, are you awake after I got kicked? <laughs> and I said, well, I am now. But I watched, I watched Cairns deal with insomnia over a long period of time. Um, and, and I just thought it was actually a moment of faith, mm. the moment of trusting God, and maybe just share a little bit on that, and then we'll call it from there. Yeah. But um, Yeah, so after getting our, you know, something that we prayed for, our beautiful little boy, and having received this promise, uh, I think I battled that whole, that first year of having Judah, and um, I battled with full-blown insomnia. It, I think it started with anxiety, which I battled with, and yeah, I, I started with anxiety of not being able to fall back asleep after his night feeds. And uh, the more anxious I got, the more I couldn't sleep. The more I couldn't sleep, the more anxious I got. So it was like this vicious cycle that just spiraled down into insomnia. And there were some nights I slept an hour. I remember falling asleep while the birds were tweeting and knowing that Judah was going to wake up in about 45 minutes. Um, so in two hours. And I just, I, I was not, I think it was my lowest point. I just, I'm not good with no sleep, you know that, not good, um, very grumpy, but I couldn't cope, I couldn't think straight, I couldn't function, I just was really down, I, I didn't know what to do, I was so desperate, I didn't know what to do, and I remember asking everyone and anyone to just pray for me, 
just pray for me. Just come pray for me. The elders, I think I asked the elders a few times, they were getting tired of me. I was just like, and you know what? It was a revelation moment where I felt God say, actually, my girl, you are trusting more in their prayers for you than you're actually trusting in me, your God, Jesus, healing you. And I just thought, oh, my word, okay, I'm sorry. I actually am. I'm and not that God doesn't use people to pray for you. He can, and he uses other people's faith, and people get healed. But for me, it was just a revelation moment where God said, actually, who are you trusting here? You're trusting in those people praying for you? Or are you trusting in me, Jesus, healing you? And um, yeah, so that, that, was a, that was a big thing for me. Um, yeah, uh, sorry, let me just check what I, what I wrote here. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's like the penny just dropped. I just knew. Uh, sorry. I also just wanted to share something quickly that might be helpful. I, was, I remember in all of these stories, I was able to quote the scriptures, you know, off by heart. I knew all the scriptures. I knew all the promises. I could just say it. But you know what? It has, it has to, the penny needs to drop. It has to go from our heads into our hearts where we actually take a hold of it by revelation and we believe it. It's, and it's not second-hand revelation. I know the guys have often shared this. We need first-hand revelation, our own time with God in the Bible, studying, not just second-hand revelation where we're getting it off the preachers, and I know God uses it and it does help, but we need to get to a place in that personal, intimate relationship with God where we take these promises for ourselves and we totally believe it, you know, and that's only going to help when we spend time with him. Um, yeah, so I just wanted to say that even with that, the penny dropping and coming from our heads to our hearts, it's not just the word. It sounds very clinical. Read the scriptures, quote scriptures, put them on your wall. That sounds very, it can be very, that can sound very religious, but actually it's the Holy, it's the word and the Holy Spirit together. The Holy Spirit enables us and he empowers us. Um, it says in John 14, 26, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said. So the Holy Spirit, he teaches us and he gives us revelation as we give ourselves to the word of God and he will remind us in our everyday lives what God has said. Um, I think he's the one who enables and empowers us to apply the word and whatever we do and whatever we're believing for. Um, yeah, so just to remember that it's the word and the spirit together. Yeah. I think um, as we do a faith series, you've got to ask the question, what do you do with it? What do you do as, as the community afterwards with the faith series? All these stories of people who took over the world. And um, I think part of the, the, the challenge is we live in a world where faith looks like health, wealth, and happiness. Get the guy who's just got the promotion to tell his faith story because he was so faithful because he did so much in it. Get the guy who's healthy and taking over the world. Get, get the one who's wealthy and, ha and happy. And actually, it's, it's such a broken down, um, small part of a faith story. A faith story is a story of trusting God. Wait. A faith story is a story of knowing God. A faith story is the person who's walked for year after year with challenge and trial and chooses to still believe that Jesus is the King of Kings. A faith story is the one who's laid hand on the sick time and time again and choose to believe that God is still a healer. He's still a healer. Just waiting. Sorry. And uh, God is still a healer. I don't know what you, I've, I've had some pretty devastating moments of praying for people who've died. From eight-year-old kids to husbands to children, it's devastating. But I had to have the realization that faith is getting up again and praying again. And finding rest and peace in Jesus. Yeah. And taking his word again that he is a healer. That he is the healer. Yeah. And holding on to him. 
devastating moments of years of you've spent hours and hours of marriage counseling with young couples like this. And three years later, they come back to you and tell they want a divorce. It's just not working. It's devastating. But then I go back to scriptures and I read about God's design of marriage and I'm encouraged and I find peace and I find faith again to stand up in front of people in marriages again and declare the promises of marriage. And today was just a touch. It's, it honestly is not to exalt anyone but Jesus. And there were many others. My wife prepared for hours and hours for this moment. And, and there are scriptures and scriptures. We can send you the notes. You'll be reading for days. But really just to say that faith is real because Jesus is real. And the journey is real. And it calls us to walk a life that's real and finds peace. And I'm just going to ask Kans to pray this morning. I think there are people here who struggle with anxiety. I know there are. The statistics will say they're lost. And there's some that might be on antidepressants and, and you're fighting a battle and you've held on to promises before, but you need freedom from that. Some who aren't sleeping. Maybe the year-end figures don't look like what they should. Maybe the bonus didn't come. Maybe the pressures are on. But I think actually most of us should stand as we find out a story that God is unfolding a faith story in each of us. And we walk in community together. We hear stories like this, not to exalt anyone other than Jesus, but to say there's a faith story for each of us to tell that others can find courage to trust him, to find courage in his word. I look at Keith, who's my neighbor. I saw him struggling with his back, barely being able to get up on some days. And every day he would say, God is a healer and God will heal me. And today's here because God is a healer and God did heal him. And I need those stories. And we need those stories if we are going to see a city saved for Jesus. So can I, can I actually ask us all to stand together? And we're going to finish there. And um, we want to be a people and a church who are prepared to be messy together, share the mess of our lives together, and the reality together. So when the highlights do come, we can cheer because we know where they've come from. And... Um, and this morning, I cheer because I know, I know where Candace has come from. Penny knows where Candace has come from. And so we get to cheer because we know some of the lows. And so we celebrate Jesus. And um, I would just ask, would you open your hearts to Jesus now? I'm going to ask Candace to pray. But would you ask him, and maybe you're struggling with anxiety. As a mom, anxiety as a, as a provider, anxiety as a business leader, anxiety in any way. I promise you anxiety is not from Jesus. He is the Prince of Peace. We're called to trust the Prince of Peace. Maybe you're struggling to sleep because of anxiety. Maybe you need breakthrough in a womb. Maybe your womb is, is marketplace, is money, is, is your children, is anything. Maybe it is you desire children. It's not happening. I would ask right now in a moment of faith. Because testimony is saying, God, do it again. That's what testimony is. I'm going to ask Candice to pray that he would do it again. Father God, we just come to you this morning, Lord. We thank you that you are here with us, Father. We thank you, Lord, for your presence. We thank you that we don't need to strive for you, Lord. All we need to do is believe, Father God. And uh, Father, I thank you that this walk that we get to walk with you and this relationship that we get to have with you is all about knowing you, Lord. It's Actually, that's what it's about, Father God. Even if we don't receive the promises in this lifetime, Father, our walk is, and, and our reason for being here is just to know you, Lord, and to know your love and to share it with, with others, Father God, and, and to learn to trust you, Father God. So I pray this morning for all of us, Lord, especially for those that are battling with um, just anxiety and fear and even unbelief, Father God. I just pray, 
Lord, that you would um, come and capture our hearts again, Lord. I pray that, um, Father, that we would find ourselves captivated by you again. Captivate us, Father God, in your presence. Captivate us in your word again, Father God. Bring us back to your scriptures. Your word is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. Your Your word is living, Father God. It's active, Lord. I pray that all of us who are battling with anxiety, who are battling with fear, who are battling with um, unbelief, that we would get into your scriptures, Lord. And the Holy Spirit, won't you just come and empower us and and give us revelation as we read that the the words would almost jump out at us, Father God, that we can take it and we can believe it. And because we look to you, our faithful God, our faithful friend. Thank you, Father God. I pray, Holy Spirit, for great revelation, Lord. I pray for revelation moments, even in in our days, as we work and as we wake up and as whatever, as we bathing the kids and changing nappies or whatever it is, just speak to us. I pray our hearts will be open and sensitive to you. We'd walk closely with you and uh, we would hold on to your promises. I pray that this would be a community that really trusts you like a child, that we would have childlike faith that completely trusts so easily, Father God. Uh, I pray that this would be a community that we would be people who trust you like a child, who believes you like a child, Father God, and that would lead to radical, radical obedience that would lead to amazing things, Father God, that we would bring in the lost, we'd bring in the bruised and the broken, that you would come and you would heal our hearts, you would come and make us whole, Father God. I pray for whole and healed marriages. I pray for whole and healed families, fathers and mothers and sisters and brothers, that in that place of family and marriages, that we would change communities, we could change people's lives, Lord. We would change our city, our nation, and the world, Father God. I thank you, Lord, that all we need to do is trust you, a simple act of just trusting and believing you. Work in our hearts, Father. Thank you, Lord. I look forward to the testimonies that people are going to share in your precious name. Amen.